welcome to a special bonus episode of National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And I don't think we've ever had an episode where our sort of podcast opening line is more meaningful and prescient than it is today. You know what, Aubrey? I I think that line is always meaningful because it comes from possibly the greatest film franchise we've ever known of. I mean, if you suddenly feel like it's imbued with more meaning today, I'll I'll let you have it. Okay, well, number one, I feel like you're trying to throw me under the bus here as if I don't think these movies are God's gift to people. Um, And number two... I feel like you might have forgotten what today's episode is. So oh, I didn't forget. I just wanted to be funny. <laughs> All right. And we're going to tell you what that is in, in just a second. But we're going to try to keep this intro today super short because of the excitement that we have coming in just a few minutes. So, Emily, you want to give our social media shout so we can get it out of the way? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at nthunt.com podcast we are also available for your listening ears on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can find all kinds of information about us as well as links to all of the things i just mentioned on our website which is nthuntpodcast.com and Please go ahead and take this opportunity to pre-order our book, National Treasure Hunt, One Step Short of Crazy, at TuckerDSPress.com. Wow, Emily, I feel like I'm just giving you more and more responsibility in the social media shout as we just like tack on new projects, but uh, you pulled through and I'm I'm proud and grateful. Thank you. Thank you. I try. (laughs) So... Today, we are here to discuss the opening scene of National Treasure. Why, you may ask? Because our guest today is actor Terrence Courier, the one and only Charles Carroll of Carrollton in the opening scenes of the first National Treasure movie. Emily... I cannot wait to share this conversation with everyone today. It was so wonderful to be able to speak with Terrence. I feel like we just got a lot of really cool information that we never really expected to get when we started this podcast. Yeah. And talk about a low-key living legend. I mean... Oh my goodness. This this is like one of the most interesting people that I've ever had the pleasure of interacting with. And so... With that said, we have to start by giving a huge shout out to Siobhan, Terrence's niece, who is actually the reason that this entire episode came together. So we are eternally grateful to her, as well as to her uncle, who goes by Terry. Um, So for anyone's awareness or reminder, you will see Terry in National Treasure in the opening scenes as Young Benjamin Gates is learning the story of The Secret Lies of Charlotte from his grandfather, played by Christopher Plummer, someone who will come up uh, quite a bit in this conversation. And so 
uh, we learn the story of how Charles Carroll of Carrollton, with his dying breath, really passes on um, this treasure hunting lore to Thomas Gates uh, in his carriage when he is outside of the White House. Um, and that's what we're here to talk about today. What do you think, Em? Should we preview a couple tidbits of what everyone's going to get out of this convo? I mean, I don't want to spoil things, but let's. Okay, so one of the things you're going to learn is about another actor in the film who, quote-unquote, stole Terry's lines. You will also learn about the personal connection that Terry had with his character. And you'll hear just a little bit about a couple encounters he had with some of the film's leads. And of course, so much more. So, without further ado, we hope you enjoy this very special bonus episode of National Treasure Hunt featuring Terrence Courier. Well, Mr. Courier, thank you so much for joining us on the National Treasure Hunt podcast today. It is an absolute thrill and a joy to have you. Uh, we cannot wait to learn about all of your experiences as they pertain to National Treasure. So would you mind getting us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and your acting career? You know, how and when did you even get into the entertainment industry? Uh, I started out very young. My mother and father were both in it. My mother was a choreographer, and uh, she hated being called a dancer. She said, Terrence, I was a ballerina, not a dancer. I said, yes, ma, you were a ballerina. Anyway, my father was a very well-known, popular radio artist in the 20s. In 1929, he was second in the country in popularity behind Amos and Andy wow. <laughs> on radio. Wow. And they, they were a musical team called Hum and Strum. And their song <laughs> was, Hello, we are Hum and Strum. Bum, 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 bum. Here to radio we have come. And that was the intro to their radio program. Amazing. So I, I started out. My first job, when I was, I think, five or six, in early years, my father said, hey, there's a producer in town looking for kids for a new uh, radio production called Hitler's Children. And I said, sure, you, my father, do you want to be in it? I said, sure, sure. So he got me a gig when I was five or six years old, playing one of Hitler's children on radio, a national broadcast. Wow. In the archive, I gave the whole copy to the National Archives. They have it now. But uh, in any case, I think I made the equivalent of like $500. And I was astounded. I thought, gee, this is what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Big deal. For sure. Wow. So I started uh, taking an interest in acting and uh, have continued to be interested in it as long as it keeps putting food on the table. Absolutely. That's amazing. And, you know, m might I ask, you know, what were some um movies or tv shows or anything that you might have appeared in that some of our listeners might be familiar with i've done so many i mean i've done what 20 movies maybe 15 i don't i don't i don't count anymore <laughs> i 
I was doing a Broadway show. I was doing Damn Yankees on Broadway. And uh, one of my fellow actors, who was from New England, from Boston, I named Jerry Shea. Anyway, Jerry, uh, we were having lunch with some of the girls in, in the uh, chorus. And uh, we were talking about other things besides the theater that we'd done. So the people would say, you know, kind of the silly things that they'd managed to do that were related to the work, but not exactly. And uh, so Jerry said, Terry, what about you? What, what, you must have done some things up there in New England or Boston. I said, well, I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> he said, oh, come on, come on. You know, I said, well, I was, I was on a kid's television series for five years on Saturday and Sunday morning on WBZ TV in Boston, Westinghouse Broadcasting. And he said, really? Which one was that? I said, it was called Boomtown. It was a Western theme. I had to dress up like Gabby Hayes, the old Western cowboy. Oh, my. And talk like that. I had to talk like that. And talk (laughs) like, you know, like Gabby Hayes talked. And pretend that I was about 100 years old. And uh, he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jerry said. Were you Cactus Pete? I said, yeah, I was. Ah. Oh, my. Whoa. Oh, my God. He said, you're an icon. <laughs> he said, you're an icon. <laughs> I said, rather forget it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but in any case, I did this for five years. At that same time, I was associate artistic director at the Charles Playhouse, which was Boston's resident theater company, professional theater company. And so I was uh, both an actor there and a director there while I'm doing the kids show on Saturday and Sunday morning. And uh, it got my eldest boy through Harvard College, uh, paid, paid for his college, so I have no complaints. Yeah. And, uh, and it kept me solvent and you know, uh, allowed me to put away some money. Uh, but it wasn't something that I was immensely proud of, but it was, you know, sometimes you have to do stuff that you, and, you know, actually I had fun because the guys who were on it were all a lot of fun. That's great. And uh, we had a lot of funny things happen. One of them was we did uh, uh, Rex Trailer, who that, that wasn't his real name, but that's what his stage, his television name was Rex Trailer. You can Google them, you'll find out. But uh, every once in a while, we'd be asked to attend some big country affair, some outdoor thing. And usually it included horseback riding. And you know, uh, and I told Rex, look, I'll, do, I'll play the guitar, I'll sing, I'll dance, I'll make a fool of myself, but I'm not riding a horse. I do <laughs> not ride horses. So I said, all right, all right, all right. We'll figure out a way to get you. So we were... Uh, we were performing at the uh, Eastern States Exposition out in Western Massachusetts. You know, it was a huge crowd, uh, maybe 30,000, 40,000 people there in the stands. And uh, we show up, the television crew, and uh, out of the, out of the uh, horse wagon come the two horses, Rex's horse, which he's going to ride. And a little pony, a little donkey. And Rex said, "Listen, when we go, when we make our entrance, when they introduce us, 
to the stand, said the crowd. You just go, sit on the donkey and hold on to the reins. He's going to follow Gold Rush, my horse. Wherever Gold Rush goes, the donkey's going to follow. If, if she stops, if Gold Rush stops, he'll stop. <laughs> okay, sure, I'll give it a try. <clears throat> so the announcement comes over, and boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, your television stars you've been waiting to see, here they are, Rex Trailer and Cactus Pete. That was my name, Cactus Pete. <laughs> and so Rex starts his horse going toward the stands. And about, about 50 yards from the front row of the stands, his horse stops quickly. And my, my donkey stops quickly. And I did a complete 360 circle over his head and onto my back on the ground. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And the wind knocked out of me. I couldn't breathe. They had to bring the ambulance up. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, when we finally got on the stage, my buddy, the guy who's, who was the star of the show, was on the, the microphone, and he looked at me, and I put my finger up to my lips, like, don't say it, we're on microphone. Oh, <laughs> and my he said, gosh. He finally leaned over and said, that's the funniest you've ever been. <laughs> and I said an unkind word. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, that's, uh, here I was on the one hand as artistic associate artistic director of a, a professional serious theater in Boston and also doing this kitty thing on Saturday and Sunday morning mm -hmm. uh, and making a lot more money doing the kitty thing than I was uh, <laughs> in the theater. Wow. The, as I said, it put my, when my eldest kid through college and, you know, and it made me an icon. <laughs> yeah, well, you you might be an icon as Cactus Pete to some, but you know, to us, you're an icon because of National Treasure. Uh, <laughs> so along those lines, um, how did you actually land the role of Charles Carroll of Carrollton in National Treasure, and what interested you kind of about the part? Uh, my agent, Michael Thomas. Uh, I, I don't think Michael's still alive. I, I'm not sure. But at that time, my my agent was Michael Thomas in New York, and uh, he was the one who uh, who uh, called me about it. He said, "Hey, I got a film script in here. He said about a thing that's I think there's a role for you in it, right age and type and everything." I said, "Well, well you know, I'll, I'll come over and pick it up at your office and take a read." Which I did, and it was uh, was in that movie script. And uh, so I, he said, "What do you think?" A couple of roles I can do, but, but you know, it doesn't exactly send me reeling. You know, <laughs> kind of you know, interesting mm -hmm. in its own way. So uh, he said, "Well, I'm going to put you up for one of the roles." I said, okay, fine, fine. So he did. Put me up for them. I did my, I gave them my demo tape. And uh, in a little while, I got a call from my agent saying, hey, they want to use you. Got a nice role for you. I said, oh, good. Terrific. And uh, he said, not only that, but he said, they're going to be shooting in New York and out in LA. And uh, he said, there'll be, uh, 
so they'll be flying you out up to New York. Uh, one in, also in Philadelphia. Uh, there'll be a scene in Philadelphia and one in, in L.A. I said, that's fine. As long as they pay the air, of course. I said, of course they do. Right, of course. And I, I said, I know, I know. So anyway, that's how it started. And uh, gave me a copy of the script and you know, some pretty good lines. Uh, and uh, eventually they started shooting for some Washington, D.C. And uh, we did, they, the makeup people were great. They made me up to look very old. And uh, yeah, I look 110 years old in the, in the picture. So anyway, uh, I got the role and uh, time went on. We shot some of the footage and then we went and had time off while they did shooting out in other places. Then they came back and uh, we started to do a scene and the director came over to me and said, uh, oh, by the way, Terrence, we've uh, added a, a, another actor to the script, a uh, wonderful actor named Christopher Plummer, <clears throat> Canadian actor. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, geez, he's a terrific actor. I've seen him, he's a you know, classical actor, marvelous actor. Wow. He said, yeah. He said, the problem is he's, uh, he's not going to, he, he said, that not enough. It's too small a role for him. And he doesn't have enough lines to warrant, uh, you know, because he's already a star of sorts. And he was, he'd already won a, a, a Tony Award and, uh, on Broadway. So <laughs> I ended up with having my script diced into little parts they gave all my lines most of them to him oh oh my goodness and and you you saying that i can i can picture the exact part of the movie where that would be because christopher Plummer tells the backstory of the treasure even though that context was happening right after your part in the movie right right yes right well you got it right Yeah, so Christopher wouldn't do the role unless they gave him more lines. So they took all of my lines. I didn't go to Philadelphia for, they they used a double uh, in Philadelphia. They used a double in New York and they used a double in LA. So I didn't go to any of those. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I ended up, you know, I just got the same amount of money that I contracted for. It didn't matter. We'll take it. But uh, (laughs) yeah, right. But well, uh, he got all the lines. Oh, wow, that's that's frustrating, but also fascinating. We like to think of ourselves as national treasure experts. So knowing that now is very interesting to us. <laughs> um, <laughs> really quickly, you know, how much did you know about Charles Carroll before taking on this role? Because I'd imagine I don't know, I'm not an actor myself, but portraying someone who was a real person, would seem different to me than portraying someone who's totally fictional. So how much did you know about him and did you have to do anything in particular to prepare for the role? Well, uh, as always, I did some research. Uh, I knew the name, I knew that he was an important figure in American history, but I wasn't exactly sure. So I did my research and found out, yes, indeed he was. And uh, thought it was uh, 
appropriate for me because I had been a student of American history at Harvard and uh, had my degree in American history. So uh, I was pleased, to say the least. Wow. To have that role. Wow. Well, this is so interesting because one of my follow-up questions was going to be, you know, whether you had any personal interest or passion in history, but if that's what you studied, that's pretty incredible. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. That sounds like a, yeah. like a perfect role for you. Yes. Yeah, I did take an interest in it and did some research and I found that it was a wonderful, interesting character. And, you know, even though I wasn't any longer playing him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, so uh, you, you mentioned it a little bit and we know some of it got, got cut, some of the intended filming, but uh, what do you remember about filming, you know, for the movie? Like how was your experience as a whole? Obviously <laughs> um, we know some of your lines got redistributed. It, it was not uh, particularly exciting. Uh, it was sort of a, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the, you know, um, <laughs> the bread of, of filmmaking, you know, it wasn't, there were no exciting or dramatic lines. Mm. Uh, they were all related to, uh, American history and the constitution and, you know, which was fine. I, I certainly, uh, was happy to do that and glad, glad for it, you know, to, to have some substantive lines. Mm. But ultimately, uh, the female star of the show, Diane Kruger. Yeah. German, I think Swiss German actress, <clears throat> uh, was in the costume shop waiting to be measured and fitted to her costume. And I was sent to the costume shop at the same time. Well, there's a rule, there's a kind of rule uh, in, the, in film that if you're a, a peon, uh, that is a, uh, an extra, <laughs> you do not engage in conversation with the stars of the show. Uh, you do not start a conversation. It's up to them if they want to talk to you. You don't talk to them and say things, hi, gee, I really enjoyed your show, I saw, no, that's a no-no, you don't do that. So uh, I certainly abided by that rule to some extent, but I had studied German, I had been, when I was in the army, uh, I had uh, spent two years in Germany and I studied German uh, at Harvard, so I knew enough German and I knew that this girl was from Switzerland or Sweden, and was also a German-speaking person. And so we were together in the costume shop, waiting to be measured and fitted. And I started up a conversation with her in German. And uh, wow. I could tell she was highly offended that I should even, I should even dare to, to speak to the queen. No. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, you don't. If they want to talk to you, they can. But if you're an extra, which I wasn't, I wasn't an extra then. Uh, wow. You don't, you don't initiate the conversation. Well, uh, the you just don't do it. And why? Because you know they hire these extras who are not film people. They're just people who are you know filling in the spaces, the empty spaces, 
and they have a, t- a tendency to feel kind of, oh boy, I'm in, look at that, oh, guess who that is? Oh, I saw her, hi, hi, you know, I, I love you, Indian. And they want to avoid all that kind of crap. Yeah. So you are not, you're not to speak to the stars. <laughs> well, keep that in mind, you know, uh, hopefully when we are ourselves land on a on a set, you know, for National Treasure 3 one day. Um, but no, the reason I think that's so interesting and so funny is because she wasn't even famous at the time. This was really like her breakout role alongside. Right. Uh, right. She, was, she played Helen of Troy, but it was like at the same time as this. And those were her breakout roles. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, uh, I got to be able to chat with her. Uh, and I explained to her in German that, you know, I was not an actor, but I was a principal player. <laughs> wow. And that's a lot. You can't talk to me of the <laughs> principals. <laughs> well, how was she when you finally got to talk to her? Oh, fine. She was very sweet. Very nice. Not not terribly uh, uh, talker. But, uh, and the part of it was that my mastery of uh, my German vocabulary was not that great either. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, now that you've brought up Diane Kruger, I have to ask, did you see or cross paths with Nicolas Cage at all? I must have. You must have? I must have. Yeah. Because I did, of course, have uh, Justin Barfa was a young guy who was the leading player. Yeah. Anyway. He was a nice chap. Nice chap. Emily uh, loves him. I, I was going to say, I love him. So I love hearing that he was a nice person. <laughs> yes. Yes, he was. He was. Uh, see if yeah. anybody else. Oh, of course, uh, Chap, who took all my lines, Christopher Plummer, is a marvelous actor, just a wonderful actor, and a wonderful guy, a lovely guy. So I didn't mind so much. I got the same contractual pay that I signed for, so. Right. Right. Okay, well, this is utterly fascinating. Um, Did you have, uh, I know you said you talked to the director at one point. Who else on the, was there anyone else from the production team that you remember working closely with or anything like that? Uh, Makeup. I, I just sent off. I have been for the last three or four months collecting all of my. Uh, I, I'm a, a journalist as well as an actor, and I've been collecting my 50 years of journals, which are many of them handwritten wow. and in notebooks. And uh, they now finally, for I've been doing it for over a year, and I finally sent uh, eight boxes of them to the Harvard Theater Collection. So all of my journals are now in the Harvard Theater Collection. You want to find out anything? Wow. Log into the Harvard Theater Collection and you can maybe find something from oh, that show of that movie. You can guarantee we will try to do that at some point. So thank you for telling us about yes. that. <laughs> but, okay, so so okay, moving right along here. Before we started recording here today, you mentioned that you 
have of course seen the final version of the National Treasure movie. You mentioned that you didn't see the sequel, um, which is totally, we'll, we'll give you a pass for that. We The first movie is our favorite <laughs> too. Um, but I, I have to ask, how did you feel about the movie, the National Treasure movie after you saw it? Did, did you like it? Did you have any particular feelings about it? No, you know, because as usual, I was so busy. I was also working as a, as I said, as a professional actor at Washington's Arena Stage. I was a full-time, I worked as a resident actor for 18 years. Steady work. Wow. Wow. And uh, so I was uh, not only doing the movie, but I was also learning lines and blocking and for, for the, my stage career. So it was a, you know, split focus. Gotcha. Gotcha. It sounds like you had a lot going on. So, um, you know, National Treasure is just like a drop in the bucket for you. I totally, I totally see that. Um, relatedly, you know, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned how the script had changed in the amount of time that you had worked on the movie, um, in terms of who got which lines. Um, are there any other key differences between the original version of the script that you remember and sort of the final version that we see in movie theaters or on TV? Are there any key differences that you remember that our listeners might be interested in knowing about? Not that I remember. Unfortunately, it was a long time ago that I, sure. that I saw the final version of the movie. So I don't, but I do remember saying, oh, huh, that's how they solved that problem, huh? <laughs> I agree. Oh, yeah, wow. But other than that, no, I, and I wasn't that interested. I kind of uh, flipped through it. You know? <laughs> That's fair. That, that makes a lot of sense. I, oh, I wanted to see where I was. <laughs> of course, naturally. Yeah, that's the most important part. My scenes, right? Yeah. Right. And speaking of your <laughs> scenes, uh, there's actually one published deleted scene featuring your character, Charles Carroll, uh, Thomas uh -huh. Gates and President Jackson. Do you remember filming this or other versions of your scene that didn't make the final cut? Vaguely, faintly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, we we always wonder about that because sometimes we see deleted scenes or or clips online that would ultimately completely change the feeling or the tone or the story of the movie. It's a lot more, honestly, for the second movie, but there is this one that Emily just mentioned with your character that that was really quite interesting. I mean, the, they had someone playing President Jackson, and we never saw President Jackson in the final film at all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, as we start wrapping up this conversation, um, I do want to introduce a, a little game, a little tradition we have here on the podcast uh, where we have what we call our speed round. And this is just a fun little game where we ask each of our interviewees um, some sort of this or that, yes or no, you know, one or the other type questions about uh -huh. the National Treasure franchise. And we're going to ask you those questions and basically ask you to say the first thing, the first answer that pops into your mind for each question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you ready? Watch out. <laughs> sure. Okay. First, if you could play any other character in National Treasure, who would you pick? I have no idea. 
<laughs> I love the honesty. <laughs> okay, second question. Do you have a favorite quote or scene from the movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> okay, do you have a favorite location in the movies? Maybe the location at which you filmed? Uh, no, was it the White House or the, or the Kennedy Center? I can't remember. Yeah, there was one in, indoor shoot that was kind of fun. Oh, cool. I can't remember that was, whether it was the Kennedy Center or the White House. I can't remember. Awesome. Okay, we'll take it. Um, okay, number four. And this is probably going to mean nothing to you, but it will mean something to our listeners. What is the appropriate uh-huh. What is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? <laughs> well, for me, it used to be uh, four because I used to drink what they call a Dubonnet cocktail, which is made up of red Dubonnet uh, ice cubes, four or five ice cubes, uh, some, uh, gin or vodka, three parts gin or vodka and a twist of lemon. Oh, okay. Nice drink. You know, I I love, I love that you said that because we've actually interviewed the creators of national treasure here on the podcast before. And one of them gave a very similar answer. He basically said you need multiple because of cocktails. And right. so, so you're in good company. Um, <laughs> That's good. Okay. That's good. A couple more. One, what is one word that you would use to describe Charles Carroll of Carrollton? A devoted patriot oh. and, uh, and, political, and political thinker. Oh, I love that. Okay. In the second National Treasure movie, there's a huge factor in that movie that revolves around conspiracy theories, actually, and conspiracy theories and Justin Bartha's character, Riley. I'm wondering, uh-huh. do you have a favorite conspiracy theory in, you know, in life or in, in history that you're aware of? Uh, I'm aware of numerous conspiracy uh, theories and also conspiracy, actual conspiracies that uh, took place. But uh, as time and and, uh, and the clock go on, they sort of fade into the background. I don't know which ones are more important. Uh, it all, you know, it all worked out okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Okay. And the last one, I suspect I know your answer here, but which film do you prefer, National Treasure or its sequel, Book of Secrets? Well, I would have to say National Treasure because I have only seen snippets of the, uh, the the new film. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Well, you survived our speed round. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Congratulations. Yes. And as and we... I, and I didn't offend anyone. No. No, not at all. <laughs> and as we Good. wrap... As we wrap up this conversation here today, I'm hoping you will humor us and our audience uh, listening to the podcast. Would you mind saying the line, the secret lies with Charlotte for us? The secret lives with Charlotte. Ah, Uh, chills. (laughs) So surreal. Thank you. (laughs) 
Well, Mr. Courier, thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This has been an absolute pleasure. We've learned so much and yes. it's so nice to meet you. It is honestly an honor. Well, I, I enjoy being able to talk so much because I live alone now. So I don't have anyone to talk. You know, my, my mantra is nowhere to go, nothing to do, and no one to answer to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. We would, we'll have you back, and we'd love to talk to you anytime. So thank you again. Thank you. Well, as usual, these conversations just don't disappoint, at least for me personally. Oh, never. It is, like I, like I said at the top, we are we always end up learning so much more than we thought there was to possibly learn about these films. Yeah. I mean, how about when Terry first got onto the call, like onto the zoom and he started talking, I like fell over (laughs) hearing his voice. Right. And like, it is unmistakable even almost 20 years later. Yeah. It, it, I mean, he has the voice. I I just it just makes me realize um how how much I know these characters. Cause like this isn't Nicolas Cage we're talking about here, right? Like this isn't the the primary character that we all associate with this movie. This is a very important um secondary character, and yet I still am like totally attached to to his voice and his contributions. Anyway, um, Emily, I bet I can predict what your favorite part of that discussion was. Um, probably. It was when Terry told us about his interaction with Justin Bartha, who plays Riley. Uh, and he said that Justin Bartha was very nice, which made me happy. Love to love to see it. Love to hear it. Um, which also I was a little surprised by his encounter with uh, Diane Kruger. Hmm. Yep. That was that was different. That was very different. Okay, but do you know what my favorite part of the interview was? I mean, I feel like that is also pretty obvious. Oh my gosh! When he indulged us at the end and said the secret lies with Charlotte in like the exact intonation from the movie. I lost all of my marbles. Who knows? Maybe in future episodes, I'll have to cut out Aubrey saying the secret lies with Charlotte and put Terry's Terry's little clip in there. <laughs> oh my god. We'll see how well Aubrey's listening when she uh, <laughs> double checks the episodes <laughs> before they go out. Oh my god, that's so epic. Well, everyone, we... We have to start by thanking Terry once again for taking the time to take a walk down memory lane with us and sharing all of those fun memories. And thank you once again to Siobhan for making this whole conversation happen. Um, And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And we hope you're staying subscribed because we know it's our off season. We're not supposed to be sharing new content with you. But this is our most active off-season literally ever. We have another bonus episode coming very soon. And if you liked this one, that one is going to blow your minds. It is. And to make sure that you stay up to date with when the next bonus episode comes out, please go ahead and follow us on 
social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. Yes, we cannot wait for you to join us for our other fun adventures this offseason. But until then, I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt. Thank you.